Good morning, everyone. Oh, you guys are lively this morning. I like it. My name is Steve. I'm the lead pastor here at Christ Center, and I just want to say I am so honored and thrilled that you're here today. I saw some new faces coming in. Um, at the end of service, hey, track me down. I'd love to get to know you. But we are just really uh, blessed that you'd be here today, whether you're in person or online. Uh, we certainly don't take it for granted. We pray that God would encourage you, inspire you, and challenge you uh, as we open up his word this morning. Amen. Can we just say a short prayer? I want to just pray into this message. Uh, it's such on my heart this morning. Father, God, just don't let me get in the way today. Just believe, God, that you want to share something with your people. Jesus, I was thinking about this week that you're the shepherd. Lord, you lead us into the pastures, the green pastures, to feed us. And so we, as your sheep, we need to be fed by you today. And we pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. And everyone said? Amen. 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 We're in a series entitled The Called. And I am so excited for this series. So for the next several weeks, we'll be talking about what it means to be a disciple and what it means to actually disciple others because you have been called. And this morning, if I were to entitle this message, uh, I, will, I would entitle it, Why Discipleship? Why Discipleship? Honest question here this morning. If I were to ask you this question, I want you to answer it. Is there a divide between where you want to be and where you're at now? Is there a divide, is there a chasm, is there a space between where you are and where you want to be? For example, at our house right now, there's a divide, uh, and it's called landscaping. Yes, landscaping. You see, there's a place we want to be, and then there's a place that we are. Now, we're moving forward and we're progressing, but there's a divide between where we want to be and where we are. And what it will take to get to where we want to be is some work. What about health? You know, maybe, you know, like, I don't know about you, but I put on a few pounds and trying to get it off, and I'm not where I want to be. And there's a chasm from where I want to be to where I am. And it's going to take work in order to get to that place. Or maybe it's your prayer life. I don't have to say much to get you feeling a little bit of conviction about your prayer life. Are you where you want to be? Or is there a bit of a gulf between where you are and where you want to be? What about a sin habit in your life? That, that hell bait that just keeps on attacking you. Is there a divide between where you are, and where you want to be. And then lastly, what about making disciples? Since that is the mandate of Jesus for all of his children, is there a divide between where you are and where you want to be? Christ Center's mission is fairly simple. It's not always easy, but it's fairly simple. It's to lead others to Jesus, and to make disciples. Now, what does discipleship mean? First of all, we're going to look at Matthew 28, and we're going to, we're going to hear what Jesus said about discipleship. 
Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you to the very end of the age. And by the way, I'm going to make just a shameless plug right now for baptisms. Part of being a follower of Jesus is obeying his command to be baptized. And so I just want to throw it out there. We've got a baptism coming up August the 13th, and we love baptisms. This is going to be at the McDevitt Beach. If you've ever been, if you were there last year, you know how amazing it is. But we're just going to spend some time baptizing people. And maybe this morning, if you feel like it is your time, come see me, see Pastor Joyce. But we would love to celebrate with you on that day. August 13th, we're going to Tim Williams, who spoke last week, is going to be doing some worship. We're going to be baptizing. We're going to have food together. It's just going to be a great day. So set August 13th aside. It's important to be baptized. But discipleship, Jesus' last challenge, last words, go and make disciples. That's our call. We are called to do that. And why is discipleship so important to me? Because I I do talk about it a lot. It's important to me because it was Jesus' last mandate to us. It's his plan A. And by the way, there is no plan B. It's his plan. It's his plan for Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. His plan is through discipleship that we multiply the kingdom. But beyond it just being a command of Jesus, it's extremely personal to me. Discipleship is personal to me. Because next to intimacy with God and my love of my family, the greatest reward of my life has been discipleship. When I have invested in someone who's not maybe quite as far along in the faith as I am, and then to see them grow into maturity and to see them in many, many ways do far greater things than I've done for the kingdom. It is one of the greatest joys. Paul said, it is sure good to see my children walk in the truth. And he didn't have any biological children. He was talking about those he discipled. There is something good about looking back on your life and seeing people that you've invested in. And so this morning, I want you to know that you are called. Turn to your neighbor and say, you are called. Turn to your other neighbor and say, you are called. We're all called We're called if we follow Jesus. And maybe this morning you're here and and you're just checking out, you know, this Christian thing. What a great day for you to sit in, to hear what our mandate is. But also you're in the door. Maybe there's someone you know that's not even in the door yet. In, In a sense, you could be a disciple by inviting them to church next week. You would be a disciple maker by just pulling them along another step in the journey. And so I want to look at a scripture that I believe is a powerful statement about discipleship, but it's also 
almost a tragedy. And so let's read it together. A certain ruler asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered, no one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. Don't give false testimony. Honor your father and your mother. And he said, all these things I have kept since I was a boy, he said. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, you still lack one thing. Sell everything you have and give it to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. When he heard this, he became very sad because he was very wealthy. It was a tragedy. I want to share with you the first point of why discipleship, and that's this. Choices have consequences. Every choice we make has a consequence. When I was about seven years old, we had an orchard, a small orchard, and I was out in the orchard looking for swords. Um, translation, I was actually out looking for uh, apple sticks, you know, that I could swing and make into a sword. And as I'm doing that, I noticed that there are some new bee boxes that my dad had placed in the orchard. And these bees are placed there to pollinate the apple blossoms. And I remember not thinking real clearly, but I remember thinking, I am D'Artagnan of the Three Musketeers. And I put that stick inside the hole that goes into the bee box. And then I just went, ha! And then I drew out the sword, ha! And as I drew out that sword, it wasn't the only thing that came out. A swarm of bees came out. I've never seen anything quite like it. Not one, not two, but about 50,000 of them all at once went out that little hole. And I am now doing the 300-yard dash to try to get back to my home. I mean, I am screaming, I am flailing, I am yelling, and somehow my mom hears me. <laughs> Wasn't that hard. And she comes running out, as only a mom will do when she hears that panicked voice of her child. And she sees this smoky kind of fog thing around me, and she recognizes it's bees. And so she retreats back to the house. Now, but she had a logic for this. She actually went back to the house, opened the screen door, and wait, waited until I got about arm's length away from her, and then pulled me in the house and then shut the door behind me to keep the rest of the bees out. And they're still stinging the daylights out of me. They're in my hair. They're, I mean, they're everywhere just stinging me. I am, in some, I am one giant bee sting at this point. Choices have consequences. And I had a lot of pain for many days as the poison of all of those bee stings manifested itself in my little seven-year-old body. I didn't think about it. I didn't realize the repercussions that I would have. And this choice had severe conse consequences. So did the choice of the rich young ruler. He shows up to Jesus. He's lived a good life. He wants to follow the Lord. 
Obviously, he's kept all these commandments since he was a child. I've done this, I've done that. You know the law. Yeah, I've done it all. One thing you lack. Sell everything you have. But listen. And then he said, and then come follow me. Whoa, wait, wait. Come follow me? He only said that to 12 other people. Come follow me. Jesus was actually offering him a seat at the table. Maybe he knew Judas was going to betray him and he would need another disciple. But he was offering for this man to come and live life with Jesus. And he chose possessions over the Prince of Peace. He chose his goods over God. He chose his loot over his Lord. And it had consequences. It says he left very sad. He had missed out. Can you imagine being able to walk with Jesus? The God of the universe that became man? Choices have consequences. And this one certainly was painful. And he disappears into history and we hear nothing about him again. But what if? What if he would have sold everything and followed Jesus? But he missed out. He missed out like so many of us miss out because we don't obey Jesus when he says, go and make disciples. There's a reward behind that choice. But number two, direction, not intent, determines your destination. Now, this is really important to grasp. Direction, not intent, determines your destination. See, I can intend to go somewhere, but if I go this direction, I'm not going to get to that destination. As much as I want to, I'm not going to because I'm going in a different direction. I, I may want to have a good prayer life, but as long as I go in this direction, I'm not going to get there. I want to be healthier, but intending it and going in that direction are two very different things. I counsel a lot of people that are getting married. And I have yet to hear a couple say to me, you know, Steve, we were just, you know, sitting here talking before we came to counseling, and, and we would really like a good three to five, maybe a seven-year run at this marriage. Never heard that. No, they look gazingly into each other's eyes. There'll be no problems. Oh, but there will be. See, they all intend to keep their vows, but intention does not lead to a destination. Your direction leads to a destination. And so you could intend to keep your vows and yet not love your spouse, not have your date nights, not learn their five love languages, not go to counseling when things get tough. Use silence or violence as weapons in your marriage. 
ignore red flags. Push them under the carpet. You may want to live forever after. That's your intent, but that's not your direction. And so that will also not be your destination. You see, it's not your intent. You see, the rich young ruler intended to follow God. He intended to follow Him. That's what he wanted. But the direction he chose was turning towards his possessions and away from God. We know he wanted to follow God because he kept all the commandments. You see, you might intend to do what Jesus has called you to do, which is to make disciples. But the question before all of us is, what is our direction? Because intention doesn't count if you're not going in the right direction. So it's not your intent, it's your direction. Choices have consequences. And number three, what captures your attention chooses your, dis- your direction. What captures your attention chooses your direction. You see, how do you know what has your attention? I'm going to give you five ways. I tried to do five C's, but I couldn't think of a fifth C for interruptions. So if you can think of that, come see me afterwards. But what do you spend money on? My guess is when what you spend money on gets your attention. For the rich young ruler, he had so many possessions. And sadly, that's what got his attention. Not following Jesus. Calendar. What are you putting on the calendar? What's your priority? Is it Increasing your spiritual maturity? Is it devoting yourself to the spiritual disciplines? Does that make it on your calendar? I have to, honestly, and I'm just being honest, I have to put on the calendar, Sabbath. I need a day out of seven that's devoted to recovery and to Jesus. But throughout the week, we need to be intentional conversations. What do you talk about all the time? Because chances are, if you talk about it all the time, it gets your attention. What do you think about? Contemplations. What are you always thinking about? And then lastly, interruptions. What do you let interrupt you? I'll tell you what I let interrupt me. Thai food. No, I'm just kidding. My family. I can be almost doing anything But if my family is in distress, I drop it. I let it interrupt me. These are just five ways that you can determine what has your attention. Because what has your attention will determine your direction, which will ultimately determine your destination. About... I guess it's been 12 years ago now. We lived up Derby Canyon in Peshastan, and we were the very last house on the left, and so way past the pavement. And one night, uh, it was evening, and we were all, all the family was home, and all of a sudden we hear this vehicle outside the front of our house, and it's, it's like peeling out. 
And so I go over and I look down and there is this sketchy looking dark van, tinted windows at the bottom of our driveway. And it's kind of stuck, but it's trying to come up our driveway and it's just peeling out and dirt and dust and rocks are flying out of the back of it. I go, what in the world's going on? And then it starts, you know, the back end starts fishtailing and it's still trying to come up our driveway, which was very steep. And it gets up there and then all of a sudden it turns the corner and I'm realizing this is not good. I tell Steph, I said, you know, I'm, I'm not comfortable with this. Get, all the, get the kids inside. Lock, let's lock the doors. And then it gets stuck. And I had opened the second floor window just to have the screen. It was inaccessible at the first level, so I knew we were safe. And so I could hear what was going on. And I heard these four words that struck fear into my life. Let's kill them all. Okay, call 911, lock all the doors, and we're like, everyone has a bat. I think Eli had a Nerf gun, you know. Hey, you know, foam burns are a real thing, so you never know what might come about by having a Nerf gun at the right time. Okay. But that's what we had. We're just armed bear. We didn't have any guns in the house. We're just, we don't know what's really going on. And then all of a sudden we hear this pounding. And I'm like, do not answer that door. Everyone stay up here. And we just keep hearing this pounding. We go downstairs, and I, I look out, and there's a, a disheveled lady that just looks like she's been traumatized. And I quickly open the door, and I pull her in, and I shut the door, and I lock it. And I said, what's going on? And she says, my boyfriend, I think he's trying to kill me. How's 911? Are the sheriffs coming? Are they, are they close here? Next thing you know, we go upstairs, and, and we see the sheriff's hallelujah coming up the canyon. Next thing I know, this guy's on his knees, hand behind with handcuffs. He was after her. And I said, and worship team, you guys can come up. I said, you, you, need, to, you need to get away from this guy. This is not a boyfriend. This is an abuser. And she says, I know, I'm... I'm, I'm going to get away from him. I'm I'm leaving him. And I said, where are you going to go? And she says, I, I'm going to go to Denver. And I said, do you know someone there? She said, I have a really good friend in Denver. And I said, okay. And, and by that time, the sheriff had come up. The, the guy was in the, the sheriff's vehicle. And the sheriff asks her, what address can I put down so that we make sure that this person stays away from you. And she says, I don't have an address. I just know I'm going to Denver. She didn't have a specific address, but she knew the direction that she needed to go. And I don't know where she ended up. I don't know if she actually made it to Denver. You know, the police took her and I'm not sure what happened after that. But I know that she had a direction toward freedom. Even though she didn't have a specific address. And this morning I'm reminded that we don't always know the specifics about the direction that God's going to call us to go. In other words, you might be challenged this morning like, I need to be about what Jesus said to do, and I need to be a discipler. But I don't know who. 
I mean, who would that be? This morning, the challenge, you may not have a specific person, but here's what I know. If you pray to the Lord and you ask Him, God, bring someone into my life that's not as far along on the journey as I am. Jesus loves to answer that prayer request. Here's the other thing. He will sometimes give you the last person that you ever thought you would be discipling. I know for me over the years, He's pointed certain people out to me that I would have never chosen on my own. Would have never chosen. But that's who exactly the Lord had for me. And so this morning, even though you may not have a specific address, would you be willing to begin looking for someone that you can pour yourself into? Would you begin to pray and ask the Lord if He would give you someone that you could begin to disciple and disciple we're going to get into more of how we do it in the next few weeks but it really starts with making a choice see choices have consequences and that rich young ruler he left he left what would have been the most impactful life he could have had because of a choice he made. This morning, what a great morning to celebrate communion. As a matter of fact, if you just take out your, the elements of communion, hopefully you all got them. If you didn't get, get one of these packets, just slip up your hand and someone will come around and, and give you one. But communion is a great moment to stop and say, what direction am I going? It's like a, a compass. Communion is often like a compass. It, it tells us, it, it's a time to reflect and say, oh, you know what? I intend to go that way, but my direction is this way. I need to switch it over here. Maybe there's some things that you need to lay down Maybe today you just need to say to the Lord as you reflect on what he did for you, yes, Lord, I will obey you and I will begin to pray about who you would have me disciple. You know, a lot of churches are closing down and a lot of pastors are leaving the pastorate. And, and we need churches and we need pastors, but more than that, we just need the church to disciple. I'm just one person on the team. I'm just looking for someone that I can disciple to. And so let's do that together. Would you just take the bread out? You see, what gets your attention determines your direction. And Jesus looked at you in your situation, me in my situation, humanity in its situation, and he saw us plunging toward hell apart from God because of sin. We got his attention. 
and he changed his direction. And it says he became man, took on flesh and blood, and he bore our sins upon himself, died for us so that we could be forgiven and live with God for all eternity. So this morning, as you partake of the bread, would you just reflect on what Jesus has done for you? Just take a moment, would you? This is not being too big of a hurry here. Take a moment, and as this is your compass, do you need to just tell the Lord, Lord, I confess this sin. I'm choosing today to go a different direction. If that's you, just tell him that this morning. Maybe today you're saying, Jesus, you're, you're calling me again to be a discipler. And I choose to say yes today. I don't want to be like the rich young ruler that gave up everything for mere worldly possessions. But I want to live in light of eternity. I'm choosing yes today to be obedient. Help me find that person that I'm supposed to pour my life into. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, it says that he took the bread and he said, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Jesus' body broken for you. Go ahead and partake. And likewise, he also took the cup. He said, this is the cup of the new covenant, which is my blood. This do as often as you do it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. This is Jesus' blood. It was shed for you. Go ahead and partake. Lord Jesus, we thank you. We thank you that we get the privilege of being like you, Jesus, a discipler. Would you empower us by your Holy Spirit this morning that we'd leave this place with a renewed desire to make sure that we're heading in the right direction. We pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. And everyone said, let's stand and worship him this morning.